If you would, go ahead, go ahead and be seated. When we talk about Easter weekend, um, you have to talk about death. Um, we talk about death around here regularly because we regularly talk about Jesus, we talk about what he's accomplished. Now, death is not a good thing. For those who believe, uh, believe that Jesus is God, believe that Jesus died for our sins, believe that Jesus has been raised and now he was with us always to the very end and believe that Jesus is gonna return, death provides a means to get to a good thing. But death is a very bad thing. And, and in our lifetimes, we're all going to lose people we love and we're gonna grieve. And if the Lord tarries, every single person in this room will die. Now for those who believe in Jesus and receive his life, you will never grieve alone. And you certainly will not die alone. He will be with you always to the very end of the age. And the reason for that is because he is alive. He has tasted death and he has set us free from the power of sin and death. And now he is alive and he will live in us and with us because of what he's done. Let's remember what he's done. Hebrews chapter, was it Hebrews chapter two. But we see him, who, him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. When Jesus died, it was an intentional death. He died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so when Jesus died, he, he took the punishment that our sin deserves, but death could not hold him, could it? Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, we have hope. And we need to understand that Jesus knew why he was dying. And Jesus said that he was going to be raised three days later after his death. During his earthly ministry, there are five times it's recorded in three different gospels that Jesus made it abundantly clear that he was going to die, be buried, and on the third day he would rise. Let's, let's look at those five scriptures just to make sure I'm not lying on Easter, okay? Uh, Matthew 12, 40, uh, yeah. For, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, again, you'd have to know a little bit of biblical history. He's talking about Jonah who was in the belly of the well. You'd have to infer when he says uh, uh, underneath the ground, so this will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Uh, you'd have to kind of do a little thinking there to kind of get his point. But look at this second scripture. I mean, there's no, there's, it couldn't be any more clear. And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Couldn't be any more clear. Let me show you a third one. Mark chapter nine, verse 31. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed, let's read this out loud together. I just, cause I want to hear it. Everyone understand it. After three days, he will rise. Very clear. 
very clear, but he said it two more times. Let's look at those. Mark 10, 34. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And let's read it together. And after three days... And then a passage in John. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And how? And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken to them. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm gonna die. And after three days, I will be raised. And that's what we celebrate every single day as followers of Jesus Christ. And that is what we point to and remember every single Easter, that Jesus Christ has been successful over sin and death. And his victory is now our victory. And, and the death and resurrection of Jesus killed the sting of death. I mean, just decimated it. Remember, we sang that just a little while ago. Oh, death, where's your sting? I love it when God is sarcastic with the devil. Don't you? Just mocks him. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, look what he says. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He lived the holy life we couldn't live. He gave that life to pay for our sin and he has been raised. And so, yes, Death is a terrible thing. Yes, it, it is bad, but it leads to the ultimate good. Let me, let me tell you how this works. The moment that a person dies, the moment that a believer dies, they immediately go and live in the presence of God if they're a follower of Jesus. When I die, whoever's speaking at my funeral, I want you all to make sure they say this, all right? This is very important to me. So I'm saying it on Easter when almost everybody's here so that we get this, all right? So spread the rumor, this is what I want said. I will probably be here at the front and there'll be a casket and I'll be in it and there'll be my little crusty old bald head, right? And, and here, I want whoever's speaking, here's what I want you to say. I want them to say, that is not Pastor Jason, that's his body, his, that's just the shell. And then I want this quoted verbatim. I want it said, that's just the shell. Then I want it said, the nut is in heaven. <laughs> All right, so write that down. Make sure we get that right. I won't be here. And I'm not saying I'll get mad in heaven, but I might. I want that said because it's true. See, for all the nuts that have trusted in Jesus Christ... We leave this shell behind and we enter into heaven. We enter into the presence of God. See, when Jesus Christ died, he descended into hell and he changed death. See, up until the time of Jesus, there was an, a reality known as Sheol. This was a, 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 a shadow place. It was a place of death. And so Jesus tells the story about a rich man and, and a fellow named Lazarus. And in this story before his resurrection, Jesus talks about the fact that they both died and the rich man went to a place of torment, of torture, and that, that Lazarus went into Abram's bosom, this place where, where God's redeemed people went to wait. 
The moment Christ died, he descended into hell and he destroyed Sheol. Now, all those who were dead, they were led into the presence of the Almighty. All those souls entered into glory with Christ. Christ came and and won the victory and entered into heaven. And so now, now for all who are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's because Jesus has made it. Jesus has won the victory. Jesus has gone there, but he's not finished yet. See the story, there's still more to this story. You see, see Jesus said, not only was he gonna come, not only was he gonna die, not only was he gonna be raised three days later, he said he's coming back. And see, there's gonna come this day when there's gonna be this, this trumpet sound and the archangel of God is gonna cry out, And all the saints in heaven, all those nuts with Jesus right now, along with all the angels of heaven are going to descend on this earth. And at the sound of that great trumpet, all the shells, all the bodies of the redeemed of God are going to be resurrected. They're gonna be raised. And that those bodies aren't gonna be like our old bodies. These are gonna be bodies that are like the resurrected Lord's bodies. These bodies are gonna come from graves and ashes and places in the sea all over the planet. The redeemed of God's bodies are gonna be raised as their souls come down. And then that resurrected body is gonna once again encapsulate that, that soul. And we will live with the Lord forever because Jesus Christ has won the victory over sin and death. Paul, the apostle under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing to the church at Thessalonica, Explain this very clearly. Look at this. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Be encouraged, church. Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, he is with us. And when we die, we will be with him always to the very end. And at the end, he's gonna make all things new. He will create a new heaven and new earth. And those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, who've been given a new heart, the heart of Christ, they will live with him forever. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. Now, how does this happen? How is it that you and I are able to actually have this experience for ourselves? If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, I wanna invite you to turn with me now to John chapter 19. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. There's one in the pew in front of you. If you have a smartphone, feel free to download. What we use is the ESV. You can just type in ESV in your uh, your store there. It's a free app. Feel free to use that. We're gonna be in, in John chapter 19. We're going to be in verse 28. Let's all stand together out of respect for the word of God. At this point in the story, Jesus Jesus is in the last seconds of his death. And he says two things, and there's three things that we need to see that, that occurred here, all right? This is John chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that, that he was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, 
it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Lord, thank you for coming. Thank you for what you accomplished. May we now understand it and apply this truth to our lives in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Three things to know, three things to get about this one. From that place where there was great thirst, there is now living water that flows. From that place where there was, there was great thirst, there is now living water that flows. Look in verse 28. Jesus said, I, I thirst. He was experiencing something physically that we all experience emotionally and spiritually and many times physically. See, we all have a deep longing in our life for something to satisfy us. We're all thirsting for something that will make our lives complete, for something that will make our lives whole. But here's the problem. Many people are relying on created things to do that, but you, you are eternal. You will never cease to exist. You will always have your identity. You will always be who you are forever. And because you are eternal, you need something that will satisfy eternally. And a guy can't do that. And a girl can't do that. And a job can't do that. And your looks can't do that. Because sooner or later, gravity does what gravity does. I mean, there's no created thing that can satisfy the need of your soul. The, the writer of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in all of our hearts. That means that we have a never ending thirst that can only be satisfied by something that will never end. And what Jesus has provided satisfies that thirst. It's living water. You remember when Jesus met the woman at the well from Samaria? Remember they had that conversation. Do you remember what he said to her in uh, John chapter four, verse 10? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The only thing that's gonna satisfy your soul is living water, water that is alive and will never cease to be poured out. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. God who took on flesh, who is the almighty eternal God, defeated sin and death and now is alive and will reign forever. And if he is reigning and living in you, then you will be satisfied. You'll be satisfied with the truth of knowing that, that you are loved by God that God has revealed himself through his word and that you can come to know him more and more. He will become more and more alive to you. This truth will continue to transform you all of your days and it will give you hope. It will give you hope because look, friends, you're going to go through this life and this world is not as it should be and you're gonna suffer. And you're gonna have challenges and problems and pain. Yes, there's good things too, but you can't even fully enjoy those without the proper perspective. And only Jesus Christ can do that. And so the hope that you have in your heart when you know Christ is this fact, he will never leave you. He is with you always. He's guiding you in his truth. And that gives you the confidence to know that whatever is gonna happen, God has a plan for it. 
I don't know if you're troubled today, but I want to tell you, God's got a plan for it if you will trust him. And that truth and that hope will give you strength. You will find yourself facing terrible situations, challenging opportunities, but you will not be afraid. You will not be overwhelmed. Why? Because the Lord God is your shepherd. Because he is with you. I love Psalm 23. You know Psalm 23? Do you know it personally? This, this psalmist, he's writing of a reality. Is this your reality? As I, as I read this, ask yourself a real serious question. Is this your testimony? Is this your story? Can you say this with complete confidence that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that your story? Is that your song? Can you say that with complete confidence? That, that the Lord God is your shepherd, that he's gonna guide you through everything you go through? Listen, if, if you have drank this living water, if you've received this, that place where there was thirst, he will pour out to you the life that you long for, living water too. From that place where there was something sour given, there is now something sweet that is offered. Look in verse 29. It says a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and, and held it to his mouth. Now, this was not a kindness they were offering him. If you'll remember, they had previously offered him a drink and it was laced with myrrh. Now, that would have diluted some of the pain he was going through. He did not accept that drink. What they were offering to him now was, was more pain. See, the Romans were gifted at causing pain. And what they would do is they would offer this sour wine so that the people who were dying on that cross would stay alive just a little bit longer. And what it would do is it would quench some of the parchedness of their throats so that they would scream out louder so they could mock them more and hear them cry out so they could make fun of them. What they're giving to Jesus is not a kindness. They are taunting him. They are mocking him. They are seeking to cause him greater pain. And, and from that place where something sour was given, there is now something sweet that is offered. Now we have been given something that we can taste and we can see that it is good. Look what the psalmist said. Psalm 34 verse eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see how much God loves you. Taste and see what he's accomplished for you. Taste and see the plans that he has for you. Taste and see that eternity is coming and you need him and he wants you and you can have him. But friends, no matter how hard I might try, with the words I can use, I can never explain it fully. You've got to taste it. You've got to receive it to get it. Some of you, you know religion. 
You know philosophy. You know ideas about the world. You know stuff about Jesus. There's a difference between knowing facts about Jesus and receiving it and tasting it and experiencing it. I mean, you can describe an M&M, right? But there's nothing like tasting it. And no, I'm not giving them out this year. I know you're like, oh, half the reason I came this year, right? I'm gonna tell you, there, there, all right, I'm gonna give this to you. This is free. This is not, this isn't, this isn't gonna cost you extra. I have found something though, and I can't explain it to you. All I can tell you is that it is good. Here it is. It is a milkshake. It is the greatest milkshake on the planet of the earth. It is at one place. It is the cookout. I like Sonic. I like, I like other places. There's not many milkshakes I don't like. I got it, right? I get it. But I got to tell you about this one. It is an M&M milkshake. But listen, do not order an M&M milkshake. Don't do it. You might want to write this down. Ask for a chocolate M&M milkshake. Because if you don't say chocolate, they won't make it with chocolate. And see that chocolate, that's a little bit of happiness right there, okay? Now, I, I gotta disclose this. If you drink this milkshake, you will receive as sustenance into your body 1,400 calories. But what's that among friends, right? I mean, it's good stuff. I don't care what you say. That's good stuff right there, man. That's the stuff, I'm telling you. And when you're done with it, there's a scripture verse on the bottom of it. So maybe it's biblical. I don't know. It's just good. Now look, I've described this to you. But you gotta taste it to see that it's good. And you might wanna buy some stock in the cookout now. I don't know, I'm just saying. But I'm telling you, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. That, 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 as good as that milkshake is, as good as some created things are, they can't satisfy the thirst in our soul. See, there's nothing like Jesus. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. He is alive. He will comfort you. He will love you. He will care for you. He will transform your life. He will change you. See, third thing you gotta see is, from that place where there was death, there is now life that is made new. From that place where there was death, there's now life that is made new. Look in verse 30. Remember, Jesus has just drank that sour wine, so he's got, he's got his voice back. And look at the last thing Jesus says on the cross. Look in verse, look in verse 30. When Jesus had received this, the sour wine, he said, read this with me. If you've got your Bibles open, read this with me. He said, it is he did his job. He did his job. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Before the foundation of the world, God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, determined that the Son, the second person of the Trinity, at the right time, would take on flesh, live a holy life, and die to redeem a people and be raised. Jesus promised over and over, I will be crucified. I will be killed. I will die. But on the third day, I will rise. 
He said, I'm coming again. He's made these promises. And so when he says, it is finished, what he's saying is, I've done everything needed for you to have eternal life. It has now been offered. You must now receive it by faith. Death is such a terrible thing. Death is not good, but for those who believe it leads somewhere good. But the death of Jesus is a glorious thing because of what it does. Last week in our community, we, um, we had to deal with the, the tragedy of a, of a 10-year-old dying from a hard-to-identify disease. It happens so fast. Meningitis is so difficult sometimes to determine and distinguish. And this 10-year-old boy, loved by his mom and dad, died. And his death brought back to my memory something that happened 16 months ago. Interestingly, I had just been in contact with the mother of this, this child just two weeks ago, and so it was really on my mind. See, there was a little girl in Louisville. She was at the time 19 months old. Her name was Ava Martin, and Ava had a very serious heart defect, and, and she had had two very serious heart surgeries, but she was still sick, and she was gonna die. The only thing that could save her was a new heart, but it had to be the heart, the strong, vibrant heart of a toddler. Now about that same time, there was a little boy named William. And William had a mom and dad who loved him so much, godly parents. And that week in December, they were both at work uh, he was with a nanny and his sibling. And he was having, of all things, for lunch, chicken noodle soup. And as he ate the chicken noodle soup, a piece of that chicken got lodged in his throat. And the nanny couldn't get it out. She couldn't get the Heimlich, wouldn't come out. The paramedics showed up. They couldn't get it out. It was lodged so, so, so tightly. They got him to the hospital. Mom and dad got to the hospital. And they told him, his, his heart's beating. There's no brain activity. He said, we're so sorry. He said, we, we have to say this to you, though. All of his organs are viable. He's healthy. And there are those who need these organs. Within a day, that heart that was in William was placed into the body of Ava. And through his death, she received life. Jesus Christ did not die on accident. He died on purpose because we needed a heart transplant. Our hearts were broken and sick with sin. And so God sent his son to live and to die so that we could have a heart that is strong and eternal and vibrant. Some of you here right now, your heart is broken. You need a new heart. You don't need a heart fix. You need a new heart. And the only way you can receive the heart you need is by faith. It's grace. You don't deserve it. 
but God has provided this new heart to live in you forever. How silly and foolish and wrong would it have been if Ava's parents had rejected that heart? She would be dead. Friends, how foolish, how wrong would it be for you now to reject this heart? Without it, you will surely die. You will die a physical death and then an eternal spiritual death in hell. But God has, he has provided this heart. And all you have to do is ask God to forgive you. All you have to do is give him your life for his heart to live in you. And he will live there forever. Now look, I know some of you, you're sitting here right now. And you received that heart at some point in your life. But let's be honest. You've not been taking care of that heart. God gave you that heart for a purpose. And it wasn't for you to waste your time on things you can't keep. God gave you that heart so that you could worship him rightly with a family of faith regularly. God gave you that heart to be bound with the hearts of other believers that you get together with and talk about the word of God and pray for one another and care for one another. God gave you that heart so that you would serve. With the heart of Christ comes the heart for service, to serve the church and to serve God's purpose in the world. God gave you that heart to strengthen it through the truth, daily in his word, daily in prayer, daily in his presence. And God gave you that heart to share to tell the rest of the world what God has done, the life that they can have if they will only receive it by faith. Some of you need to repent. You need to turn away and admit to God that you've not been caring for that heart, but you're going to from this moment on. I wanna invite you to do that right now. Some of you need to come, get on your knees or, or stand before God here at the front and say, give me a new heart, Lord, forgive me. Some of you need to say, Lord, I've not been caring for my heart properly, and I'm sorry, it's wrong. I, I want you to forgive me, and I want you to know I'm committed to living out what this heart is for. And I know there's some of you, you're sitting here now, you, you're, you've been living for what this heart's for. But as I've been talking this morning, some of you are praying for someone who doesn't have this heart, and they need a heart transplant, not a physical one, they need a spiritual heart transplant. And I wanna invite you to come and pray for them. See, we all need them. And at the end of the service, I really want you to let us know how we can be praying for you. Some of you, if you're beginning this faith journey today, I wanna encourage you to grab that orange card I, I mentioned earlier, put your name one contact way, and, and know that I'm gonna contact you this week and see what God's doing in your life. If you don't wanna do that, our elders and some of our pastors will be here in front of the baptistry afterward. But you need to talk to God first. And then come and let us know how we can help you along the way. So I want to invite you to talk to God now. So let's stand together as we pray. Father, we need you. We need what you alone have accomplished through your son, Jesus. We need a new heart. We need a heart transplant. What you did there when you tasted death, you, you provided the means for us to be saved. And when you overcame death, you... You fulfilled the prophecy and the promise you've made, but also revealed the power that gives us the life that we long for. So God, I pray that you'll hear people now who are gonna come and ask you to give them a new heart. Ask them to forgive you for not taking care of the heart you gave them. And ask you to do a transformation, a transplant in the lives of some folks that they know and love.
Lord, we need you. We sing that to you now. Hear your people. Hear those who come to pray to you now. I ask in the name of Christ. Amen.